Don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Park. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Verses 10 through 20, Ephesians chapter 6. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, your word for the, the gift and the weapon your word is, which is the sword of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the truth in which you tell us in your word that you teach our hands to war. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that as we go onto the battlefield of life day by day, we go with a great commander, you, our Lord and Savior, going before us, and we can walk in victory every day because we know who you are and we know who we are in you. With every passing day, more and more help us to become the skillful warriors you've called us to be, going forth daily, not just doing defense, but going forth going forth on offense, tearing down the kingdom of darkness and building your kingdom as we go. We thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Rick Robertson is our producer, and he's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Father, we come to praise you. We come to lift high your name today, Father. We exalt you. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful for your goodness and your mercy that you show us day by day. Father, we pray for our listening family. I, I think of those who have prodigal children, God, that that uh, have trouble sleeping in the middle of the night because they're worried about their children. Father, we pray that you'll comfort them. We pray that you'll rescue their their boys and girls, their men and women. God, will you draw them to yourself? Would you rescue them? Would you bring them back? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, Rick. Thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Uh, a continued reminder to all of our listeners. And, of course, let me just mention, we do appreciate hearing from different listeners who may email us to get some of the uh, prayer tools, some of the discipleship resources we provide. We're honored and grateful to get a chance to share them, and we're encouraging you to get them, again, obviously to use for yourself and the discipleship of your own family. But keep in mind, we live in a world where 
Everyone can use help and encouragement in their prayer life. Absolutely every follower of Christ all over the world. So be mindful if sometimes you think to yourself, well, you know, I don't need help that much myself. Well, that's fine. But you, whether you realize it or not, you do need help in your prayer life, and so do I. But you can always encourage others because the fact is everyone has challenges when it comes to being as prayerful as God would have each of us to be. So I would encourage you, please email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Download some of the evangelism and discipleship resources, the prayer tools. Again, we're glad to share them. We encourage you to use them for you and your family. But be sure and forward them and share them with family members, fellow church members, others, because there's a whole lot of discipleship and evangelism that can happen online. And remember, it's not hard. It's not complicated. It's a matter of putting the email together and forwarding it to someone. But you'd be surprised how many people are going to end up in heaven because you were willing to simply send out emails, amongst other things, as it relates to doing the work of carrying out the Great Commission. Hope that you will. Again, the email, joseph at afr.net. We're glad to share them with you. We are grateful to have as our phone guest today, Maureen Broderson. She's the author of a book entitled, Victorious Spiritual Warfare, So Simple, Grandma Can Do It. Uh, Maureen, how are you today? I'm well, sir. Thank you. Great to have you with us today and honored to have you on. And uh, I'm going to ask if you'll take a moment to kind of further introduce yourself. Uh, you you have quite a bio. Uh, you've been in ministry for some time. And, uh, but, and then we want to talk very specifically about the powerful message of your book. Again, the title, Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple. Grandma can do it. But let's learn a little bit more about you as a person. Thank you, and thank you for the honor and privilege of being your guest today, mm-hmm. and welcome to all of our listeners. Again, my name is Maureen. I am an ordained minister in the Foursquare Church. I serve currently on the pastoral ministry team at New Life Foursquare Church in Harbor City, California, and I have been a part of ministry, Freedom Ministries, for over 40 years. My husband and I served with Cleansing Stream Ministries, and in that venue we traveled across the United States and around the world. And in those travels I discovered that people are all the same. They want to know that they are loved. They want to know that they belong. And we who are followers of Christ have a common enemy, and he opposes that. He opposes the belief of who we are in Jesus Christ. But one of my favorite things to help people understand is that the enemy cannot steal our destiny. All that God has given us and intended for our lives, all he can do is try to make us give it up. And he is relentless in that endeavor. But God, we stand with him. And I could go on for an hour just about that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I have, my husband and I have been married for 46 years. We raised two daughters, and now we have three of the cutest, most active grandsons, probably in the whole world, but every grandma gets to say that. Mm-hmm. And the title of my book it we 
tossed around the word so easy, Grandma could do it. it. It often is not easy. And our freedom and our authority and the power that moves through us begins with us. So sometimes it can be difficult to look at the places in our lives that have been hurt or wounded or we have given opportunity to the enemy. But when God is with us, the enemy brings those things to the forefront to remind us, to make us feel less than or disqualified. But when God reminds us of those painful events or or poor decisions that we make, it is always for the purpose of healing and restoration. So the journey, God's plan, is simple. And if Grandma can do it, anybody can. That's my point. (laughs) Well, I'm going to ask if you'll at this point take time now specifically to pray for our listeners, for them to have ears to hear everything the Holy Spirit wants to say to them today as we go through the broadcast. Amen. Thank you. Father, we do thank you that your word says your sheep know you and they hear your voice and they follow you. Father, you have created us in your image. And as real as Joseph and I are having this conversation today, he's listening, I'm talking, I'm talking, he's listening. We know that it is your intention to speak to us. You would not have said so many times throughout the Gospels, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, if you weren't intending to speak to us. So give us those ears to hear this morning. Lord, let us hear with our hearts, ready and listening and discerning the voice of our loving Father God. Lord, we thank you for your voice to guide us in the unseen spiritual realm. And without your voice, we are left left disadvantaged. But again, everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. So God, we don't want to listen to the voice of darkness. We don't want to be interrupted by the voice of our own flesh. Boy, nobody talks to us more than we do ourselves. But Lord, we want to hear your voice. And we take responsibility right now to position ourselves in our heart and our minds to hear your word and to listen and to know what you are saying to us through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Maureen. And Father, too, thank you for every listener. Thank you for the wisdom and the insights you've given Maureen that she shares in this powerful book. And Thank you for the opportunity for us to learn more about the realities of the world we live in that your word teaches us about and the truths of how spiritual warfare takes place and how we can walk in victory every day as we learn to walk in the power of your spirit and in the wisdom of your word. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. 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 Well, you know, Maureen, one thing that seemed to be a powerful point that you make near the beginning of the book is that and I'm, I'm sort of kind of drawing my perspective from what you shared, but basically that people sort of come to their own conclusions about the way life is and that we feel like, well, conclusions like, well, if I'm a nice person, the devil will leave me alone and I'll live my own life. And if I'm kind to people, you know, things will go pretty good. And then sometimes, often in life, we have rude awakenings to realize Life is not the way we assumed it was. Would you share, kind of elaborate on that? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I taught spiritual warfare in the seminary where I got my degree, and every day, every class I took, or every class I taught, excuse me, I would ask the students, why have you come? Why did you enroll in this class? And what do you hope to learn? And one of the things I share in the book was a story about a gentleman who had flown in from the Midwest. We were in a modular format for this particular class, which was three days in a row, which served him well for not being a resident student. And um, it was my spiritual warfare class. And he was a pastor in the Midwest, and he raised his hand, shot up like an arrow. He was the first one to respond. And he said, you know, Professor, I used to think the enemy was a sleeping dog, and if I didn't kick him, he wouldn't bother me. And things have happened in my church and in my family that have led me to understand that that position has not served me well. And I have absolutely no idea what to do about the realm of darkness that I know is assaulting me. And I humbly <clears throat> acknowledged his humility and transparently transparency, but right away the Lord reminded me that of the scripture that revealed two fatal errors in his assessment. First of all, the devil is not asleep. And secondly, he is not a dog. First Peter five eight speaks to both his reason for enrolling and his desired takeaways. We are informed by all believers that we need or by all of the word that we need to discipline ourselves and stay awake. But that scripture in first Peter says that the enemy is like a roaring lion. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Maureen, I'm going to have to jump in here. We're going to pick up right there on the other side. Our phone guest today is Maureen Broderson. She's the author of the book, Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, Grandma can do it. We'll be right back. And I will learn to walk in your ways. I 
The music of Rich Mullins with Sometimes by Step. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Maureen Broderson. She's the author of Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, Grandma can do it. Uh, Maureen, if we'll pick up right there before we interrupted you with the break here, please do. Thank you. I was um, talking about the scripture we find in First Peter, that the enemy is like a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to devour. My first point would be that he is like the roaring lion. He is not a lion. There is one lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and that is our risen Savior. And the other error in his thinking was that he believed that if he didn't kick this dog who wasn't asleep, who was asleep, he thought, that the the enemy wouldn't bother him. But he is vigilant. He is never off his guard. And we can't afford to be off of ours. And thankfully, God's Word unmistakably reveals that the devil is not the only one who's searching. We read in Second Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to give strong support for those whose heart is blameless towards him. He wants to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is devoted to him. And I love that. So the enemy does have power, but we don't need to be afraid. We have all the authority that Jesus Christ himself had. He has delegated it to us. He has entrusted it to us to be his representatives. And he has given us all of the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. We don't have junior Holy Spirit. We don't have 10% of the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit alive in us who raised Jesus from the dead. But that delegated authority is wholly inoperative apart from the prayers of the believing church. So ours is the privilege. His is the power. And when we pray, we are enforcing Christ's victory over Satan. We are implementing on earth all of heaven's decisions concerning the affairs of man. God has placed the enforcement of Calvary's victory in the hands of his church. And one more scripture on this topic, Ephesians 3.10. It says, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known by the church to the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. By the church. Oh, beloved, This is boot camp. (laughs) We are in training to rule and reign with the Lord God Almighty throughout eternity. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Maureen, uh, a powerful illustration that you shared in the book, I I tell you, for uh, just to to be sure that I get the whole thing, and I'm I'm just going to read from a portion of it. This is on page nine of the book, but it makes a great illustration, a little bit of humorous one, but it makes a powerful point, though. Uh, I'm just going to read from page nine. It says, let me share a story with you that clearly illustrates why this book's principles hold the promise to transform your life. 
a college football coach I knew was training a couple of new recruiters for the team. Here's the deal, he began. During the game, you're going to see a kid get knocked down, and he's not going to get back up right away. When he does, he's going to walk off the field and give up. He won't be back in the game. The recruiters in training inquired, okay, we don't want that guy, right? You got it, replied the coach. He continued, then you'll see another kid get knocked down, get back up, and get knocked down again. He may keep getting up a few more times, but eventually he'll give up too. We don't want that guy either, right, coach? Right. He's not the player we're looking for. The coach went on to explain, then you'll see a kid who gets knocked down over and over again, yet every time he gets up and back in the game, he never gives up. The would-be recruiters excitedly jump in and confidently asked, so that's the guy we want, right, coach? The coach calmly said, no, he's not the guy we're looking for either. A bit confused, our would-be recruiters then asked, but coach, we don't get it. Who do we want? After a long pause, the coach answered, we want the guy who's knocking everybody down. <laughs> would you would you explain why that's such a powerful illustration to the point behind the story? Well, one of those would-be recruiters was my brother, who later became a coach for mm-hmm. many years himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I heard that story a few times. But our dad also had an illustration that, briefly makes this point as well. He used to say, there is no neutral ground. You're either riding on the steamroller or you're part of the pavement. Mm. The enemy is alive and well, and he's seeking to devour us. Again, he cannot steal our destiny. He can only make us give it up. And we don't need to be on the offensive. We are on the defense all the time. We want to be the ones on the offense. Our prayers go before us. They make a way. They part the seas. We can walk across a dry land as real as God's people Israel did and not just hear the promise of the living God, which is true. We can go into the land and possess the promise. We can occupy the land, not just look at it and hope for the promise. Hope in the biblical sense is not, oh, I hope it'll happen. Maybe one day it might. Hope, as it applies in Scripture, is the confident expectation. Beloved, God is, not, God is faithful to us, but that's overflow blessing. God is faithful to himself. He is faithful to his word. And every word of God contains within it the power to bring it to pass. Mm. So there is, n- there is no option except that he is faithful to us, because he is faithful to himself. And it is his intention, again, back to Ephesians, that his wisdom will be made known by the church. Mm. When Jesus left the earth, he said, all authority and power I have given to you over all the power of the enemy. He didn't say authority of the enemy anymore. And I think it's really critical to understand that when Adam and Eve disobeyed, they gave up their authority. They had been given dominion over all of the earth, but they surrendered it when they disobeyed, as do we. That's why Paul said, don't give any opportunity to the devil. When you sin, you give him opportunity. So we surrender an element of authority. 
But we'll remember in the wilderness when Satan was tempting Jesus himself. He said, look out over all the lands, and this is all being given to me. All the authority is mine, and I can give it to whoever I want. If you will bow down and worship me, it'll all be yours. And we read clearly Jesus' response, that the Word says that we will worship the Lord our God and Him alone. And then He said, get behind me, Satan. But I think it's important that we look at what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, oh, please, that authority isn't yours. Because at that time it was. Mm -hmm. He had taken it when Adam and Eve disobeyed. But when Christ died and was resurrected, he took back everything that Satan had taken, and now he has given that to us. And when we sin, we relinquish a proportionate amount of that authority. But in Christ, now, unlike Adam and Eve, he has given us the remedy, and we find it in First John. If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin. And the Scripture can't mean something different to us than it meant to the original hearer. So sometimes we have to go back to the original text and look at what words mean. So quick lesson in Greek and Hebrew, the word all means all. So there you have it. You're all scholars. All. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is stay current with the Lord, repent when we have sinned, and move confidently in the authority that He has given us. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, 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 I love it. <laughs> Ari, you know, um, I want to ask specifically, would you pray for listeners to to grow in their understanding of the fact that we're called to always be on offense, as you beautifully put it, and not on, whereas so many people function on defense and it seems like they think that's the only place they can be. Would you pray for them to grow in their understanding of that truth? Amen. Yes. Father God, I thank you that you have entrusted all of the authority of heaven and earth to us, your believers. Lord, to everyday people, not just the famous pastors or not just people who have come out of Satanism. And you have called us not to be a people who just cope, but be a people who conquer. You have created us to not fight for victory, but to fight from victory, implementing Calvary's victory into every circumstance of our lives. As we pray for ourselves, as we pray for our children and our grandchildren, that, Lord, you will go before them anointed and appointed agents of the kingdom of God. Lord, let everybody be confident in who they are in Christ. Father, I cast down in the name of Jesus Christ the work of unbelief, in your church. Lord Jesus, you have called us to believe the anointing and the appointing, for unbelief will block the power of God in our lives. We see in the author to the Hebrews that the people did not enter into the promised land because of their unbelief. It wasn't because they worshiped the golden cow. It wasn't because they were whining about the manna. 
but they didn't believe you. They didn't believe that you had given them the promise. Were there battles to face? Absolutely. But they were given that land, and it was their responsibility to go in and take it. So, Lord, I ask for each and every listener today that they will not fear your plan and purpose for their lives. Rather, they will simply believe. Help us not be like the people of your hometown that were robbed of the miraculous move of God because they didn't believe who you were. Forgive us, Lord, for our unbelief. And from this moment forward, may we each choose to engage life with the confidence of being your representative, representing you on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to accurately reflect your glory, to live into your power and authority, always mindful, Lord, that is because of our relationship with you that that is effective in our lives, not by what we have done, by what you have done in and through us. We choose to believe today, to live into all that you have created your church to be and to do, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God will be made known by the church to the principalities and powers. Amen. 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 Maureen, will you share with our listeners? Can I share a quick story? Yes, go go right ahead. Um, I was privileged to teach spiritual warfare to a group of young adults recently, and that was an audience that I had not taught before. And I was praying and asking the Lord to give me something that would help them understand what we're doing. And here in Southern California, over this summer, we've had an unseasonably hot, hot summer. And we are blessed to have air conditioning. Thank you, Lord. And as I went to the to the unit on the wall, I noticed two temperatures. On the left of our thermostat is a thermometer. And then on the right is the thermostat. And I'm pressing the little button down, 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 down. This is the temperature I want because the one on the thermometer is way too hot. And God said, This is this is spiritual warfare right here, this picture. And I thought, what? (laughs) And he said, what does the thermometer do for you? It reflects the atmosphere of the room I was in. He said, what does the thermostat do for you? It gives me the power and the privilege to change the atmosphere in the room I'm in. He went, there it is. We are not called as followers of Christ to reflect the atmosphere of the world around us. We are called as followers of Christ to be warriors, to be his champions, and to change the atmosphere of the world around us. Mm, Powerful illustration there, but we're going to pick up on the other side after this break. Our phone guest today is Maureen Broderson. She's the author of Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, Grandma can do it. We'll be right back. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. 
W. Smith with Surrounded. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guest today is Maureen Roderson. She's the author of Victorious Spiritual Warfare. So simple, Grandma can do it. And Maureen, would you share with our listeners, if someone wants to get a copy of the book, how can they do that? Uh, I have a website. It is MaureenBroderson.com. If they click on the book tab, there are links to the three outlets. Um, basically, though, it's Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and ChristianBook.com. And if they put in the whole title, Victorious Spiritual Warfare, so simple grandma can do it, mm-hmm. it'll pop right up. But if they click on those links, they don't have to do anything. It's right there. Okay. All righty. Okay. Um, I want to share... Um a definition in the book that you shared that you said it was a given, it was a definition for spiritual warfare given by your, your pastor of nearly 40 years, Dr. Jack Hayford. It says, spiritual warfare engages worship and prayer, the effective outcome of which is the manifestation of the rule of God, the reign of his power and the revelation of his kingdom. It is the prayerful and intentional confrontation with the demonic in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's a very powerful and a very uh, beautiful um, definition to better understand what re- spiritual warfare really is. So I just wanted to share that, though. So, Amen. Thank you. Uh, the, the ta- the, specifically, Chapter 2 is entitled, It Wasn't the Tuna Salad. Can you share <laughs> with us the truths that you're sharing in that chapter? Happily. Um, th- this was a story told by our daughter's pastor, and he was a groom-to-be, and he and his bride-to-be were hosting their rehearsal dinner the night before their wedding. The gentleman who was to conduct his wedding ceremony was speaking, and his wife, the pastor's wife, was sitting with bride-to-be at the table, and she said, Honey, you know you're going to be a pastor's wife. Let me share with you a very funny story about life as a pastor's wife. I was hosting a dinner, mid-summer, very hot, Chicago, uh, Chicago summer night, and for people in our congregation. And because of the temperature and the nature of the dinner, we they decided to make a tuna salad as the main course. And she worked on that for several hours during the day and got her whole dinner prepared. 
and it was almost time for her guests to arrive. Everything was set. The table was set, and she ran upstairs to change, and she heard the doorbell of her first guest arriving. So she flew back down the stairs, glanced into the dining room where the dinner had been laid out lovingly, and much to her horror, she saw their cat. He was not having a paw in the tuna salad. He was enjoying the tuna salad from in the tuna salad, the large bowl of tuna salad. There was their cat, all four paws. He was in cat heaven, I said. (laughs) She didn't know what to do. She grabbed him out of the salad, opened the back door, tossed him out. She was tempted to usher him into literal cat heaven, but Grace took over. (laughs) She came back. The doorbell rang again. She did what probably I would have done. She scraped off the top layer of the salad. She fluffed up the lettuce leaves, and she prayed over it and answered the door. Guests came one after another after another, and her husband came home from his church office, and she kind of forgot about the whole story. The night went on. Everybody enjoyed the dinner. They were having dessert and coffee, and it was wonderful, evidenced by the empty bowl of tuna salad as everyone left. They bid their guests good night, and they went into the kitchen, and they were kind of just cleaning up the dishes and clearing the tables. And the pastor asked his wife, I haven't seen the cat. Where is he? And she went, oh, let me tell you about your cat. (laughs) She went to the back door to call him and again made a very shocking discovery that there on the step lay her cat dead. (sighs) She she just stood in silent, horrified, and the first thought that came to her mind was, Oh, dear Lord, the cat ate the tuna salad. The cat is dead. We eat the same tuna salad we have just fed our guests. They quickly agreed that the only thing they could do was humbly call their dinner guests, let them know what has happened, and invite them to meet them at the local hospital for any treatment that the doctors would deem necessary. Now, keep in mind, this took place many years ago. So the accepted treatment at the time was pumping people's stomachs. So they went to the hospital. Their guests arrived. Almost all of them came. They submitted themselves to that very unpleasant procedure. It was sun coming up the next day before they got back home. They just laid down. (laughs) They tried to rest as much as they could. The dishes could wait. They woke up a few hours later. The pastor went off to work. Mrs. Pastor is in the kitchen crying, cleaning up the dishes when she heard a knock on the door. She answered the door, and there was their neighbor. He was a tall man with a deep voice, but he uncharacteristically spoke in a very low tone that morning. And he said, ma'am, I'm really sorry to tell you this. It was so dark last night. When I came home, I pulled into my driveway and, and I hit your cat. 
And when I paused and parked the car truck and went around, I realized the cat was dead. I saw all the cars. I heard laughter in your house. I didn't want to bother you. So I gently laid him on your step. But I'm so sorry. I, I just didn't want to give you that bad news in the middle of your company. She just stood there quiet. She looked at him. She really didn't know what to say. But she assured him of her forgiveness. And as I heard that story told by that pastor, mm -hmm. I considered the dilemma of those pastors that night. And I frankly considered my own dilemmas and, and probably all of our listeners as well. That sometimes we try to address the the things that are going wrong in our life, our fears, our disappointments, our anger, our loneliness, and we try to come up with our own solutions. But when we wrongly determine what the problem is, what's at the root of it, sometimes the solutions we come up with lead us into deeper pain and hurt. We think our life might be better Oh, if I hadn't married you, if we just didn't live here, if we could only move, our life would be better. Or you don't know my boss. Oh, my goodness. You don't know what I go through. And we think that's our problem. And then we try to medicate it and subdue the pain. Well, I'll just have a drink. Maybe I'll feel better. I know. I'll go shopping. Retail therapy has always worked for me. The truth is, if we wrongly diagnose what our real problem is, the remedies we come up with will never be adequate. And the worldly solutions that we turn to more often than not produce more pain, more conflict, and more heartache. For our remedies will never give us the freedom, the contentment, and the peace that we long for, that God intends for us to employ. And we waste so much time and energy battling the people our enemy is not flesh and blood, the story, the scripture we began this broadcast with. We are battling the spiritual forces that are at work in every situation. The spiritual realm informs the physical realm. It's not the other way around. Oh, beloved, unseen is not unreal. The spiritual realm is not a make-believe reality. It's an entirely different reality. We have a real enemy, and the adversary is busily at work. He really only has one ambition. We just complicate things so much. All he wants to do is get our eyes off Jesus. And everything he throws at us is the means by which he seeks to accomplish that one ambition. Hmm. But Jesus empowered us to live in the reality of the Spirit, empowered by His Holy Spirit. He did not leave us alone to navigate this life. He left us Himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. So I took away two lessons from this story. First of all, <clears throat> pray before you make the decision. <laughs> pray about your circumstance. Inquire of the Holy Spirit. God's talking to us. We need to still ourselves to hear his voice, to align ourselves with his word. The word isn't something he just gave us. 
The Word tells us in John, Jesus is the Word. And He is a reach-down, step-into-our-reality God. And He came to be the Word alive in us. Our Bibles are His Word to us in written form. And also, He speaks to us. We need to quiet ourselves to hear His still, small voice. When people whisper to us, what do we do? We draw closer because we want to hear So sometimes God speaks in a whisper, not because he doesn't want us to hear, because he wants us to draw close, to know his wisdom, his timing, his direction, before we act on the challenges of life, and that we'll discover what's really going on. Lord, give us your eyes to see. Lord, give us your ears to hear and your heart to know that when we make war in prayer and make peace with those around us, our spouses are not our enemies. Our kids are not our enemies. Neither is our boss or the city we live in. Oh, beloved, when you move, you take yourself with you. you got to figure it out before you make that move. Mm-hmm. But we will succeed in our life as we learn who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. Marianne, our time is just... (laughs) Okay. Right. Well, our time is just about gone, and just um, you've shared beautifully the message of the book, Victorious Spiritual Warfare, So Simple Grandma Can Do It. And before we end our broadcast, as we normally do, if you're listening today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a great day to get saved, a great day to commit your heart and your life. Remember... As Maureen alluded to, the fact is Jesus is the answer to everything, all our problems, all our difficulties. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply take the time to commit your heart and your life and pray this prayer to give your life to the Lord today? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we very much want to be in touch with you. Once again, my email, joseph at afr.net again. I'd like to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord. Again, joseph at afr.net. Maureen, share one more time with our listeners. If they'd like to get the book, Victorious Spiritual Warfare, how can they do it? Amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com or christianbook.com, or go to my website, maureenbroderson.com. And just one more thought, I feel like God said to me, the recognition of His presence is the realization of His power. We cannot be in authority until we learn to live under God's authority. And we will realize His power. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Maureen. Please pray much for Maureen as she ministers continually.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.